So this is October 18th, Sandeep Patel, the founder of IRAD. Sandeep, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Indispensable. Oh, thanks for having me. So we've known each other for a couple of years. I found you through a thread on the internet about tutorials and how to build step-by-step -step tutorials. And somebody's comment um, on a particular blog was, you have to reach out and look at IRAD. And I was like, what is an IRAD? Right, so I jumped over and from there, I think I've been using your product for at least almost two years and I can't say enough about it. So I'm so excited to have you on today so we can talk a little bit about who you are and IRAD. So if you can share a little bit about your background and who you are, that would be terrific. Sure, so um, I, I guess I could start in, in uh, college. So I went into college as a, as a biology major with the hopes of becoming a doctor. Uh, those dreams faded pretty quickly um, and then when I graduated, I kind of found myself in a spot where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I did try working in a lab. Um, that was not exciting. Uh, so from that, I tried a bunch of different things. And then I stumbled onto this e-learning world um, where I kind of uh, became pretty good at it. And that's basically, so for a couple of years, I was doing e-learning development for pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and I'd have to actually sit with the subject matter expert, learn the process, and then document it. So in that process, there was a lot of copy-pasting screenshots. And that was the idea moment. I was like, there has to be a better way, because that is a super painful process. So then um, I looked around for tools. There was nothing that um, I thought that, that was what I envisioned. So then that was the idea moment. And that's where I basically set off to kind of build this tool that I envisioned. Um, so I grew the consulting business to kind of pay for the product development. And that R&D kind of process took a very long time uh, before we actually got to charge. And I want to say it's, it took around 10 years. So that research and de development was really around the algorithm, trying to figure out how the whole UI would look. And so that was the, the, it took a very long time to get the product to market or at least to start charging. And then once uh, the product started to take off and we had revenue coming in, I was able to kind of uh, to stop consulting and then devote all my time to IRAD. So that's kind of my, my story in a nutshell. And so give us um, a year in terms of when e-learning, when you started to um, look at e-learning and you were working for that company that so basically i was working for this wireless technology training company and that's where i got my foot in the door uh they uh they let me take some courses on what e-learning development was and how it works and i kind of learned the whole process through that and then from that i once i got uh, I, I was um, well versed in all the terminologies and how development works um, I basically did my resume um, and then I interviewed at different companies as a consultant. So that's, that's actually how I, how I got started. And, and I didn't really know much of my first contract, but I knew that I could learn it as I went. So it's kind of like, you know, you're building the plane as you're in air. So that's basically my model for everything is just start and then figure it out as you go along. So that, and that, yeah, and I, I, I model that whole thing 
um, that, that one philosophy throughout my whole life. And what about e-learning? I mean, e-learning has definitely changed over the last 10 yeah. years. Where do you think it is? How are people comfortable going online and learning today? Yeah, I think it's at the. Uh, it, it's actually caught on a lot of steam in the last three or four years. That's why you see this huge explosion of LMS companies, these new kind of breed LMSs where they're super intuitive, uh, because obviously in, inside of a company you you might have you know thousands of employees and you're investing millions of dollars on these applications. And if they don't know how to use these applications, it's kind of a waste, right? Because one, the employee's wasting so much time, and then two, you're not getting the ROI back from what you invested in these applications. So companies are investing more money into training, because before, when I started out, what it was was training was always an afterthought. It was an expense. So it was always looked at, it was like something you had to do, but it was always an expense-related thing. And then as the, uh, as, as the industry started evolving, people realized that, hey, these are productivity gains. So it's actually a, a, a profit generation thing, right? When you can decrease a, a person's onboarding time by 15% and you have thousands of employees, I mean, that's a huge difference on the bottom line. So it's definitely transformed a lot where now it's like at, at the forefront. Training is, a, is, is at the forefront because when you're investing in, a, in an application, you're saying, okay, how can I onboard my employees? Uh, and that's the first question you kind of ask nowadays. Right, and you can't assume that everybody knows how to use all of these tech tools and different apps and even Outlook. I was with somebody last week and they were like, you know, I'm actually new to Outlook. And I was like, okay, it's 2019, but you've never used Outlook before, right? right. So, so there's a lot, I think there can be a lot of assumptions that, well, the workforce today should know some of these things. And yet those tools are always being um are always evolving too right so there's nuances to all of these tools and i think your product i think irad and your tutorials help right let you know decrease that gap really quickly yeah and and that was that was the biggest thing uh, for me was uh it, it was the time to make a tutorial because i knew that was the one insight that i had was these applications are always changing and if they're always changing and then you have this massive manual process to kind of rebuild the training every time there's a change, that is very, very, very costly for the company. So I knew that whatever solution that, I, that we were gonna develop had to be like where it was as simple as hitting record and then just going through the steps and then hitting done. Because anything more than that, it would basically defeat the purpose, right? Because these, these uh, applications are evolving so fast and if the training team can't catch up, then it's, it's basically you're back to square one. So that was my basic fundamental principle that I followed was how long it takes you to make a tutorial. Because I, unlike other companies, I didn't want people inside of the application for hours, right? I wanted the least amount of engagement as possible. So I, that was the one number that I always looked at was um, if they're inside uh, IRAD too long, that means we're doing something wrong because I wanted them in and out as fast as possible. Well, to that point, this summer, you know, are, we're building tutorials for LinkedIn training. LinkedIn changes something all the time. And yeah. what I noticed for our membership site inside was that, okay, LinkedIn changed a couple of things. Some of those tutorials had been built maybe three, four months previously. I brought an intern in. She went through over, I want to say about 105 tutorials, double checked that they were all updated, flipped out, 
and updated particular steps as needed. And she finished all of those in some kind of crazy short period of time. I mean, I thought it was going to take her a month and a half to do. That's what I scooped out for her. And about halfway through, she was like, I'm done. I'm like, are they right? And we actually even had somebody double checking behind her just to make sure they were all done. But it was so fast. Oh my God, my, my, I got goosebumps. That's what I love to hear. I love <laughs> but it. it worked, right? And that yeah. was, for, for us as creators of these tutorials, I'm like, oh my gosh, how can we keep these up to date? And I think that we've solved a huge problem and others of your clients have too. Love it. One of the things um, that I have always found so remarkable about you is that you are so accessible to your clients. I mean, I can go to your Calendly and schedule something, or I can send you an email and literally, I, I mean, sometimes I feel like it's minutes that you reply. What is it about being so close to your customers drives you? Um, what is that all about? So that's, a, that's a great question, actually, because I'll get, like, when I jump on a, on, a, on a call with a customer, they'll be surprised, right? They'll be like, oh my God, you're the founder of the company. Um, so... And I, and I understand their point of view They're, and they automatically assume that we're a really small team. Uh, but honestly, the way it works is that I was like, uh, cause they think that, Oh, isn't there something more important that you should be doing than this? I'm like, no, this actually is the most important thing I should be doing. Cause one of the things that happened was, so I always had a vision of what the product should do and how it should work. Um, and then, like I said, is when I stop the consulting side of things, you're no longer on the ground. Right? So those ideas didn't come as fast as they used to come, right? So then what I found was customers like you actually give me the insight that I need to continue, right? So then I, I realized that, that, and that's what really feeds my soul, is when I talk to a customer and they're telling me about their problem, I'm automatically thinking of how I can build the solution that can solve this problem. So that really, and that's the thing that really gives me that fulfillment at the end of the day, is really talking to the customer. So when I'm, when somebody emails or chats or, and I'm jumping in there, cause even Lauren's like, Hey, uh, should I take this one or should I take them? But I'll just go in there really quickly and just, because I can't help myself. It's like, um, it's just one of those things that just, just, it, that's the thing that drives me. It's not growth. It's not revenue. It really is just talking to the customer and, um, hearing them say, wow, that, that and, and you know, when they have a problem or they needed a feature and then we'll get that out in the next release in like the next five days. So uh, that, that's like that wonderment that they have is they're like, oh my God, how did you do this in a week? That's what I, that's what I live on really. Well, we've had lots of those conversations, right? Uh, Well, I'm working on that or, okay, I can move that in, you know, in the development stage, right? Where we get that done. And I think that's amazing. But you've also taken this so seriously that you picked up your family and traveled across the globe. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. So my wife and I always had the dream of traveling around the world. Um, and uh, we've always talked about it, talked about it, but my son was, uh, he was a sophomore in high school. He was like, no way, no way, no way. And then just one day he came home and he goes, I'm ready. So at that point, once he, once he gave us the okay, then we started planning. So it, it probably took like, so he probably told us in April maybe um, that he was ready to do this move. Um, so then from April to June, is when we packed up the whole house, we figured out the homeschooling requirements, uh, we put everything in storage, and then we took off. So we didn't really tell anybody that we were doing this. Uh, we said, we'll give it the summer, see how it goes, and then if we enjoy ourselves, 
we'll tell our uh, we'll tell our families, and then we'll continue onwards. Because one of the things is being from an Indian household, um, taking your kids out of school is a no-no, right? So, and I, I'm 40, I was 40 something at the time, maybe 40. And I'm terrified of my mother at the time, right? Because <laughs> telling my mom that I'm going to take my, my, my kids out of school was like the one thing that I was like, oh my God, my mom's going to think I'm insane. Because one thing I was, I'm working on a company uh, and she's just like, what are you doing with your life, right? And now I'm taking my kids out of school and then we're going to go travel the world. But anyway, the, the summer was awesome. And then we decided to do it. And then we went to 13 countries over the course of one year. And then in every country, we would email all our uh, users in that country. And, and then they would, we would come out. So one of the highlights, two of the highlights of that trip was one, I, get to, I, I met my first ever paying customer. So the person was in Malaysia and um, I got to meet him and his family. We went out to dinner. So that was awesome because I still remember that day when I heard that first ping. So we just launched our um, uh, payment system, right? Where you can actually charge. Uh, we, we, we did it the day before and then uh, it was like three in the morning and I had my phone next to me and then I heard that ching and then I looked and it was a, a company in Malaysia. I had never talked to the person before uh, and, and they basically purchased IRAD for the first time ever for $40 a month. I, I, uh, I, woke, I, I shook my wife and I said, you won't believe it. Uh, I got my first ever paying customer and she turned around and she goes, uh, how much was it? I go $40. And then she goes, <laughs> she just turned around again. <laughs> so then I was just so excited that I ran upstairs to my son because my son knows how you know, the blood, sweat and tears that went into this for like 10 years. And then we jumped around in his room for a while at like three in the morning. So, um, it, it was awesome to meet him and his family. And then, um, in, in like different countries like Greece, uh, the customer would come out and then they would actually take us out to see the sites and things like that. So it was, it was a really awesome, awesome kind of way of, of, of meeting these customers around the world. And, and we still talk to this day. So it's, it's awesome. And how many members do you have today? Uh, you mean IRED users? Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's over 50,000. That's amazing. In yeah. a variety of industries and size of business, right? You name it. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, we have like a two person auto body shop, like a car detailing shop in Illinois to like, um, you know, 20,000, the biggest telecom company in Australia. So, um, yeah, very, very different types of customers. Uh, and that, that's probably the reason why it's, it's, it, it never gets dull. Right. And that's probably another reason why I kind of jump on these calls with customers is because there's so many different types. And so not one customer is like the other. And what is, um, when you think about these customers and that detailing shop, what are they using? How are they using IRIP? So um, generally it's around employee training, right? Because especially for uh, like, you know, in, in like these uh, office roles, you know, the turnover is kind of high, right? And they have, and, and even a small, tiny business at a minimum uses at least five different types of applications, right? Whether it's the Google suite, you know, some kind of CRM, uh, maybe some point of sale system. So for them, they have to actually constantly, you know, keep teaching these, these front office people on, on the, their process that they're current, how they're currently using all these different applications. So that really is the, is the, is, is the usages because um, they do, they might have high turnover instead of keep having to show each person over time. 
they can just tell the person that's currently there that knows how to use the systems is saying, hey, make these tutorials and let's keep a repository here so that every time we keep hiring, we can just send them here and say, oh, this is how we use these applications. And then the idea behind IRAD was always where all users are power users. That's our kind of tagline because uh, that's, that's the idea is basically you have maybe a handful of power users, what we consider somebody who knows how to use the application and has all that knowledge. He should be able to document it. He or she should be able to document it super quickly and then deploy it to everybody in the organization so that everybody can be a power user because with the click of a button, you have access to every, every single kind of task that you could do inside of an application. Right. I, I just love how you like think about how somebody else's could use it. Um, because I see there's so many applications, you know, right. and there's so much learning that needs to be done in today's work environments that there's no way that people can document it in a way that it doesn't get clunky really quickly. I feel like it, it just super, can get right. super clunky and, and keeping it up to date is so important. So I definitely think that you're right on that. And, and that, that's the reason why, you know, when we go through the, like adding features, there's that one metric is, does it decrease the amount of time um, of, of, of a tutorial? Does it increase? So you'll see like, you know, adding fonts and colors. We're very limited in that because I know that those kind of things are the ones that kind of eat up decisions and eat up time. So you'll see that, that that's the thing that we kind of measured against. Hey, so it's super easy when you have that, that one North star saying, Hey, time, um, it's easy to kind of say, is this feature important? Does it go, does it decrease the time? Then we can add it. If not, then we just scrap it immediately. Like even if there's some benefit or some customers asking for it is really that kind of um, North star that kind of keeps us uh, from, from making the product clunky. And one of the things we were talking about earlier was um, translation, right? So it's, th these are not, these tutorials are not just in one language. Right. So that is great for anyone in the world or a very large enterprise size company that has a diverse workforce. That's right. Yep. And uh, exactly right. So um, like, so one of the things that customers always asked for the, in, the, in the early days was um, the ability to record audio. Right. And I was totally against it all the time because I knew the maintenance aspect around it, but so many people started asking for it. So we added it. And then, um, and then um, we added the uh, text-to-speech from Amazon and Google. And then what happened was, when, now that I look at it, because with text-to-speech, it's a click of a button, right? So if your text changes or the, or the step changes, you hit a button and it just updates all the audio. So then what we realized was very few of the customers that actually asked for audio actually use that feature. I mean, because now you can just do it with a click of a button. Um, so, so that's just a, another way of just when you're looking at it from uh, from that one uh, north star of saying time, you know, when because text to speech is way faster than uh, obviously recording your own audio. Right. You know what's interesting though is the first round I recorded most of them myself, right. and people would respond and say, "Oh my gosh, it's so great to hear your voice." And I, but I'm not even seeing you, but it's such a continuation and you write your tutorials just like you write your blog. So I feel like I know you. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. So the power of audio is really pretty amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, it's funny that you mentioned that. We could talk about this later is, is the video aspect because 
Um, I was thinking about that as well, about adding, you know, like this, like Zoom, right? Where you have a little bubble at the bottom and, and the person's just talking. Um, and I think that could be super powerful as well. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure that that must be somewhere on the list. It right? is. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, would you consider yourself, um, I mean, I certainly would, but do you consider yourself pretty techie? Do you have lots of apps and tools that you use? Um, yes, but uh, yeah, I'm not a designer or a developer. Um, so uh, from that aspect, probably not. Uh, through the years, I've kind of learned the lingo and I know how to communicate with the, uh, with, with the team, with the tech team. Uh, but overall, I do use uh, probably, I want to say, five apps on a, on a, on a daily basis. Um, one of them is obviously Slack. That's the, that's the good one, uh, where we do, where that's how we're, all our internal communication goes. Then Zoom, we use every day with, that's talking to customers. Um, so Slack, Zoom, and then um, uh, Intercom. Uh, that's another one that where you know we chat with our customers in real time, and, and that is an amazing tool. So I would say those three is where I spent kind of seventy five percent of my time. And what about your calendar scheduling tool? Oh right, so, so all of that, yeah, right. So we use Calendly. Um, that's more of I don't really I'm not really in it, but that's what we use to with for our customers to kind of schedule um, time with us. Um, yeah, so they'll just pick it, and it's super. Their their user interface is pretty awesome. That's Calendly.com. Um, and where they can just click um, uh, and, and schedule time based on whatever their, their, their calendar looks like. And some of these tools all work together, right? So we also use Intercom, we use Zoom, we use all the same tools, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I love to see how all of these tools come together. And we worked on something where we now have you, your tutorials through Intercom. So somebody yeah. can go and start a live chat. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think it's really cool. Yeah, so that was, um, so these are all the, so the tools that we use, right? So we've all, we've built integrations for them just cause that's how we share knowledge internally. So especially for Intercom, right? So Intercom is so amazing. Um, and then they came out with their app store. So I was like, bingo. Um, we, we were able to build the app in there. So now all the tutorials are searchable right from Intercom. Um, so that made it super, so these are all natural things for us where we first need it internally and then we kind of deploy it to the customer. So it's kind of like a natural progression, which is, which is awesome. And the same thing with Slack. Um, you know, we, we created a Slack app where you can kind of share these tutorials internally. Um, and then we, yeah. And then what we find is the ones that we use, uh, most of our customers use. So if, if you're a intercom customer, you're going to deploy our, our intercom app and same with Slack. So it's cool to see because obviously the one thing you, you worry about is are will people be using this? But if you're using it internally, then you're, you, you know for a fact that other people will find it um, useful as well. So it's, it's kind of cool. So are you the person that's always looking at these platforms and what's coming out, the Slacks of the world, the Zooms of the world, you know, Intercom and assessing them? Yes, yes. So uh, I want to say, so we're in our, I want to say 13th year, I guess. And uh, up until last year, was I was the one going out and kind of hunting all these things, right? And now what I find is people are actually coming to us, which is, nice. which is a, a breath of fresh air. Um, so then um, it's so much easier when somebody's interested in you already. So it, it's a pretty exciting time right now because um, the, the, the role has, has, has reversed basically from being, um, from being a hunter to being the hunted, which is um, 
actually it might be a, a, the wrong kind of way to say it, but <laughs> I get it. But being in, in terms of sales, when you're being hunted, it's much better. I call it the law of attraction, right? They are, there you go. A law of attraction. Yeah. And what about truths that you've learned along the way in terms of you've been very strategic about how you've built your business, where you spend your time. What have you learned about um, just those business truths that are really your North Star? So the business truth, let's see. One is uh, the main thing was basically being super self-aware, right? What your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you enjoy doing, what you don't enjoy doing. So I don't know if you listen to a lot of Gary Vee. I, I, I relate to him very well only because I basically yeah quadrupled down on my strengths and just ignored my weaknesses. So that went, so when I was first starting out and I had this idea, I was like, okay, cool. Um, I, I have to raise money and I have to hire people. That was my, because that's, that's even today, that's the, that's the way to go, right? You want to start a, a business, you got to go raise money. So what I realized was I don't enjoy rejection and I don't, I, and plus if I did go in front of a VC, I knew I, I was like unfundable, right? I was a bio major. Um, I didn't, I didn't really care about numbers and things like that with the mark, you know, total addressable market and things. So I knew that I didn't have any interest in it, nor w would I be successful if I did it. So that's why I said, okay, so if I want to, if I actually want this product to exist in this world, I know what, what my strengths are. My strengths are, I am really good with customers. So I had this consulting business. So I said, okay, if I quadruple down on that and just multiply the number of clients that I have. Then I could take all that money and kind of plow it into product development. And that's exactly what I did was I, when I, when I was consulting, I, even if I was in the, if I was at the client's office and I randomly heard somebody having some problem, I would actually go see if I could solve it like through technology, through an app. Like if they needed some simple form for, to fill out, I, we, I, we would build it at no charge. And then I would basically say, oh, you know what? I heard, I heard you guys were having this problem on um you know you, you you couldn't get your um leads into a system here's the solution and then i would actually hand it to them and they'd be like oh my god you built this and i said yeah because i knew that if i delivered to them and i anticipated their needs that that they would just keep handing me work right and they would refer me out and that's where i kind of built that business to uh where we had like four or five clients at a time um like full-time projects and that that was that's what enabled me to hire the best people for Ironman. So while all my peers, like all my friends and and family members, were all buying these big houses, we were still renting a, a renting apartment. So in the Indian community, when you're renting, it's just like, man, what are they doing wrong? They're still renting. They don't even own their own home. <laughs> but, but I had this vision, and I and I don't fault them that, especially my mom. I don't fault her because for, I had this vision in my head, right? And she didn't obviously she can't see that vision so she's doing what she knows is tried and true right you work you get insurance you work for a company for 30 years you buy a house you send your kids to college but so what happened was i knew that i had to start painting that vision right so over the years i started painting it and painting it some more and then when it became something tangible where she can see it now she's like wow okay i mean it took 12 years but now she could look at that painting and says oh wow, I could see what you did and you did it right. But, you know, I can't falter because she couldn't see what I could see, right? So it's not at a masterpiece painting yet, but it's a, it's, it's a painting in a gallery that you can buy, that you can appreciate. And that was always my thing was, 
the only time I started charging for it was when I was comfortable enough to say I would pay for it. And that's kind of like where um, the story starts. I love that. And I think I'm sure she's so proud today, right? She can, not only can she see that, but she knows you were true to your own passion, which is great. Yeah. So, she, yeah. So for, for a very long time, a lot of people in my family still, you know, they didn't understand, but now they could come back and said, wow, you really stuck to your guns. And, and we thought you were crazy. And that's what I generally get was, um, yeah, I can't believe you did that. And especially with the trip around the world too, same thing was after, um, you know, we came back and then they saw how there was, and when we came back from that trip around the world, we all grew tremendously from a personal standpoint. Like my, my, my kids had this newfound uh, thing where they were super self-aware and they realized how truly insignificant you are in the, in the, in the, in the, in the scheme of the entire world. And that really was where, you know, it, it, there was just so much growth. And then, and it became evident, like when somebody saw like my kids from before we left to after we left, it was just like a night and day difference. So all these decisions that we made, yeah, you doubt yourself. Definitely you d doubt comes in at least, I wouldn't say, you know, 20 times a day. It's like, what are you doing with your life? Are you serious? But as long as you, you can keep going and then just, you know, taking these tiny steps forward. That's the big thing. It's just taking these tiny steps forward. And then, um, and then you realize that when you look back, you'll, you'll be like in awe of what you've built or, or, or how you've changed. It's, it's just constantly just taking tiny steps forward. Well, the way you talk about your family, I know that your family is a bit, they know so much about the business. They've grown up in the business, really, when you yeah. think about it. And your wife has recently joined you in the business. That's right. And so how has she made, made an impression on you? As yeah, so, so she's, uh, and I've always tried to uh, bring her in uh, to the business because she compliments me in a lot of ways where I'm not a big um, uh, outgoing person. I like to sit in the back of the class and not say a word, uh, where she's the kind of person that'll round up everybody in, the, in, in, like in a room. She'll work a room. She knows how to work a room. And people look at her and I look at her people looking at her and they all got these big smiles on their faces and they're hanging on her words. So I've always been trying to recruit her. And for me, there was no, there's no border, right? There's no work life. There's just life. And IRAD, just like my kids, is just a member of the family. Um, I prioritize based on the need, right? So if my, my daughter has a ballet recital, obviously anything, everything can wait, right? And I'm fully present and I'm doing it. Now, if there's a like a fire at IRAD where there's some crazy problem and they don't happen very often, um, then I obviously have to move my attention there. So everybody understands that. The family understands that my wife is my biggest rock and she's the only, and the only reason why I was able to do it because she, she has this um, uh, belief in me, whether uh, she's just like, yeah, do it, do it. I know you can do it, do it. Like throughout all those 10 years, um, she's made me choose like five times. The family or IRAD, but she knew, you know, when we get into these fights, she knew that, that, that I was always going to just keep continuing, but she's only made me choose like five times. But again, now she sees my vision, right? Just like I painted it, just like with my mom, she sees the painting. And now she's like, wow, that's a pretty cool painting. And so she's like, I, I, I actually see what you've been trying to build them. Like for the first 10 years, she's probably just lying to me. I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> But now she sees the customers and she's, she's on calls and she hears them excited about the product. So now she's like fully on board in terms of, uh, you know, uh, joining the company and then helping us. So we have a really good chemistry 
Um, we've been dating since uh, my sophomore year in college, 1994. So uh, it, it, we've been together 25 years. This December is our 20 year anniversary. So um, we're, yeah, we're, it, it's cool because that conference that we did in Vegas this last week uh, was the first time that we were actually, uh, you know, like together and we had a great time doing it. So I, th I think it's going to be, it's going to be good for the company, especially because she has a, a lot of the, whatever I suck at, she's fantastic at. And so we make a really good team in life and in, 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 in work and play. So that's awesome. Uh, and I think it's, um, I, I'm just so honored to know you because you're one of my favorite people that I've met professionally ever. Oh, did it you too. And I, every conversation that I leave, um, with you, I, it takes me probably about 24 hours to kind of like come back down, right? Because we yeah. have such great conversations, I think. And I learned something new about how you look at the world or how you look at the business or what you're doing with IRAD. And, you know, I am just delighted that you spent time with us today. Oh, we, we have, uh, yeah, we have awesome conversations together, Colleen. I know that our listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation. I'm going to put your um, everything in the show, show notes. So we'll put the link to IRED in the show notes, and I'm going to put a couple of tutorials in the show notes so they can run through it and see what it's like real quick. Um, but it's been great to spend time with you today. Thank you so much, Sandeep. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen. This was fun.